0: Monster House presents
2: Monster Talk is proud to be a part of the Airwave Media family, home of such shows as Fork in the Road, Small Things Often, and Therapist Uncensored. If you'd like to advertise on this show, contact sales at advertisecast.com. Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith.
0: And I'm Karen Stoltzner.
2: We're going to be talking about a famous house today, but this one's more famous for the living people who've called it a home than for the dead. I'm referring to Boleskine House on the shores of Loch Ness in Scotland. We split this into two parts, with the first half discussing the older history of the house and its most famous occupants, and the second half's going to deal with some of the more recent history from the 1990s to the present. But I need to make a disclaimer here as we get into this. Two of the figures to be discussed are occultist Alistair Crowley and guitarist Jimmy Page. And these are media figures around whom hundreds of fanciful myths have been woven. Some of the stories are based in fact, and others are the invention of the tabloid press or creative fans or even cultural enemies. Accuracy around covering this topic becomes really difficult. Part of what we will be discussing is a famously abandoned magical ritual that Crowley was supposed to have been working on at the house. This ceremony was ostensibly the raison d'etre for Crowley being there, but he kept very few records, and what we know mostly comes from his 1929 book, The Confessions of Aleister Crowley, written nearly three decades after the events. In that, he laments not having kept better magical records, but he's not exactly a reliable narrator to begin with. We'll get into the meat of that in our discussion, but my point is, we are but a humble podcast with a strong affinity for accuracy, but not always able to cut through the mystery to get to hard facts. There are reasons to doubt the current version of the narrative that's popular in the podcasting, TikTok, and YouTube world. But while researching the story, we realized that at least portions of it were much newer than the version told in the 1920s, and again, much more popular. And much more disturbing. And that intrigued us, which led to some interesting findings. Some vigorous historian of the future may be able to track through the records to nail Crowley's claims to a calendar. But if you hear different dates in our chat about when things went down magically at Boleskine House, consider that it was probably between 1899 and 1903. But as of this recording, I wasn't able to find definitive and substantiated dates, nor do I think that's important given the other information that we picked up on. Monster dog.
0: Welcome to the show, Blake again, and we've got uh, we've got Matt Baxter with us uh, back again to talk about a particular topic that I think has been of interest to all of us for quite some time, and we have touched upon this in other shows. But we thought we need to dedicate an entire episode or two to to this topic. This topic being Boleskine House. So uh, we've talked about this house in relation to. Loch Ness and uh, Alistair Crowley. So I'm going to go with Crowley. That's how Australians would pronounce his name. I know some British people might say Crowley or, yeah. or something a little different, but I'm going to keep tripping over myself.
2: I think all the magic people will say Crowley rhymes with holy because I think that's the thing he liked to say.
0: I, I think that would be more the British pronunciation. Yeah,
3: and you, you know guys, you don't go, hey, look at that great big crow. Exactly, you go to
2: that great big crow. <laughs> you don't. And but if you're singing uh, Ozzy Osbourne's famous song. It's not mm-hmm. Mr. Crowley, it's Mr. Crowley because, you know...
0: Mr. Crowley yeah. Mm, yeah, so I think that's the way most Americans would pronounce the name too. Uh, but yeah, so if, if people, listeners have not heard of Boleskine House, what is it? Where is it? So it is this manor that is uh, on the southeastern shore overlooking Loch Ness in Scotland. And Our personal interest in the place is that there are just so many myths and legends uh, associated with the place, and it's very notorious for the residents of the place, including Alistair Crowley and Led Zeppelin guitarist Jimmy Page. So there's a lot of uh, scandals and ghost stories that are associated with the place, and we we thought we'd just dig deep into uh, this uh, topic um, for the show. So, Thank you guys for joining me to talk about this.
2: Thanks for putting this together. I think we, we're going to talk about this and it looks like it's going to be a two-parter. So we're kind of yes. splitting it up in the first half. We're going to talk about some of the notorious characters who've lived there and some of mm-hmm. the things, that the legends about the place. And in part two, we'll be diving into some of the more recent events and what's going on with the place.
0: Yeah, exactly. So let's begin with... Uh, Boleskine Church, because there are a lot of legends which are uh, kind of tied in with the church and the house as well. And I think I just want to preface everything by saying that there is very little information on Boleskine Church.
2: A quick insert here. Karen's responding to a set of legends that claim that the current Boleskine House is built on the site of an old church. Some legends say it was a corrupt congregation and that at some point the building had its doors barred with the parishioners inside before it was burned to the ground. Other legends say that the fire was an accident that took place during a tragic but otherwise mundane Christian church service.
0: And uh, lots of confusing, conflicting information anyway, uh, and on the house too. So it's such a complicated story when you start digging into this. There's so much out there, but a lot of folklore that's being retold. This is the the history and the folklore that predates Crowley's involve, involvement with the place, and so you'll if you go and look up Bleskun House, you'll see absolutely everywhere, even on Wikipedia, they'll talk about Bleskun Church and how it uh, burned down in either the tenth or the thirteenth century, and that uh, in that incident it killed the entire congregation. This was during a mass, and that is why Bleskun House is cursed or it's doomed, why it's haunted to this day. And that's why Crowley was attracted to the place. So you'll hear all those kinds of things. And uh, the the church isn't there anymore. There are some remains. And I did some digging and found out that the archives of historic environments in Scotland state that there aren't any records of when the place was built, only that it had burned down in 1777. And so here are people saying, oh, it was built in the 10th century or the 13th century. But records state, the national records state that the building's post-medieval. So from maybe the late 16th century or later. So that's impossible that a congregation could have been killed in the 10th or 13th century. So that's the first myth busted.
3: This would Uh, make a terrible uh, news report when you think about it. So sometime yeah. between 300 years ago and last night, there was a massive fire yeah. Yeah. Uh, at a very specific location off of you know I-70 and 84th Avenue. Um, mm-hmm. But you know we just don't know. Sometime in the last 300 years, or maybe last night. Yeah. Uh, it's it's, 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 uh, it's very
0: vague.
3: Yeah. It's it's when things are this vague,
0: you got to start uh, to question them.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's no, time to go. Exactly, well, wait a minute. Yeah. You you mentioned Bellesque Church.
2: What's the difference between the mm-hmm. church and the house?
0: Uh Tiberius
2: um, oh, uh, Kirk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, a Kirk, uh, a Scottish Kirk, which is you know, Scottish for for church. Uh, so the the church is, it's not on the same property. So the Bleskin House is not on the grounds of the church anyway. So even if you wanted to make that connection, uh, that the church or where it was originally placed is next to a cemetery, and that is below the manor, it's closer to the road that, that goes uh, along the, the lock and there also claims that there was a tunnel between the cemetery and the house. And I, I don't know why there's no, there's no sign of that there yet. Right. <laughs> connection there. But, uh, and with the
3: rock there, that would be hard to kind of
0: Build just on dig, and... a, dig a tunnel. Oh, to, to go through for sure. Yeah. For
3: solid sure. rock. Uh, you know, whatever.
0: But uh, you know, I also thought that it's so remote out there. How many people could you really amass for a congregation? And uh, I discovered that Boleskine Parish was so small that it was merged with a another area called Abu Taf uh, in the 1600s. And so it was probably never even a church. It might have been a clergy house for a minister instead. And uh, But I, I think it's just, I don't know, you've got a cemetery, people think spooky spooky cemetery and link it to Boleskine House. But, again, there's just no real connection, I guess, in, in the name Boleskine, in name only. Otherwise, there's no connection between the two.
3: So the house was probably not built on the location of a church that burned to the ground, which was actually not even on the property and was probably just a chapel that went along with the…
0: A manse, a clergy house. Yeah, the cemetery. Yeah, so… Uh, I think a lot of people base their uh, ghost stories and the the evil phenomena on that. That's what Crowley was attracted to, that kind of thing. Um, So as for the house, anyway, it's a separate story to the church, and it was built by a fellow named Colonel Archibald Camber Fraser or Fraser. We've been watching lots of Fraser at the moment, so uh, (laughs) I'm not sure which pronunciation to go with. But he built the place as a hunting lodge in 1760. And uh, he was an important character in Scottish history. And he was the son of a guy named Simon, who was the 12th Fraser of Lovett, uh, also known as the Fox. Uh, and Lord Lovett, he was an interesting character who kept switching sides throughout the Jacobites uh, uprisings. So... That They were a group of people who were trying to restore the House of Stuart to the the British throne. So that was an ongoing issue, lots of rebellions over time. And uh, so this fellow was later beheaded for treason at the Tower of London in 1747. And so that's connected with some of the the ghost stories that we'll talk about uh, a little bit later. But yeah, this guy uh, owned this place as a a hunting lodge. The Fraser family were very well known in the area. And if you go to the uh, Boleskine churchyard most of the people there are phrases um there aren't that many burials there but a lot of uh, those took place during the the rebellions so the old war graves and a lot of them were laid to rest quite recently too in the 18th to the 20th centuries so you'd think oh this is going back to the 10th or 13th century no they're, they're actually comparatively recent And uh, so uh, just before we get to to Crowley, anyway, you have this big block of time in between hundreds of years, and there are all kinds of miscellaneous urban legends which are used to explain the the ghostly phenomena, and again, why Crowley was attracted to the area. So there's a a cute story going around that in the 17th century, there was a local wizard, and he raised the dead in Boleskine Cemetery, and uh, there was a minister who was living in that uh, that manse at the time. And he had the task of having to hastily lay animated corpses back in their graves.
3: We've all um, been there. There's
0: another. If <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. I had a and nickel. In
0: a... Yeah. <laughs> then in another tale, it said that there was a carriage that fell off a nearby bridge. And it killed the occupants who were a bride and a groom. And it said that their ghosts roamed the hillside looking for each other in eternity so that basically brings us to the Alistair Crowley period and I know you guys have dug into the research on him so I mean uh, where do we even begin with the, the man who self-styled as the, the wickedest man in the world he also referred to himself as the beast of Boleskine and even Lord Boleskine <laughs> yes. he did not have a title <laughs>
2: I saw it written as L-A-I-R-D, Laird, layered, Baleska. Layered, Laird. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, let's so, see. Yeah. I, mean, I would say just before we dive in too much, I'd say that a great place to start would be episode 151 of this show called Monster Talk, where we dedicated a whole episode to Crowley. Stop. Yeah. So <laughs> it's been a minute. Uh, 2018. Good God. But um, yeah, check that out for sure. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So Crowley is uh, involved with a group called the Golden Dawn, uh, which is a magical society uh, in late 19th century England. And Mm -hmm. it's got lots of famous socialites and poets and artists involved. And he wants very much for magic to be real and systematized and to work in such a way that it will accomplish his goals. He's very much about... Achieving his goals. Well, around this time, his sort of mentor, a guy named Mathers Marshall uh, Mathers, yeah. He is
0: uh (laughs) M and M, yeah. (laughs) Exactly.
2: He uh he allegedly is in a museum in Paris and comes across a French translation of a famous grimoire um that contains uh instructions for doing something called the abramelin working. And Mm -hmm. um, this is in French, uh, and Mathers translates it into English. And so as soon as the English edition comes out, Crowley is excited about the idea of making this come true. He wants to go through Mm -hmm. the steps and follow them. And in return, that's going to provide him with a personal guardian angel, or sometimes called the holy guardian angel, that will allow him to do all kinds of cool, magical things, uh, like uh, finding treasure.
0: Fame and fortune, which he yeah. had already.
2: Transforming <laughs> animals into men. Uh, healing people. Anyway, so it does all kinds of... It's like opening your superpowers, but it first, the yeah. first step is you got to get your guardian angel. But, but it's a complicated thing, and you need privacy, and you need to live a very... Uh, ascetic lifestyle for like three or six lunar cycles. It's a long process, like six months at least. And so mm-hmm. he needs a place where he could do all these things. And the prescriptions for what you have to do are really elaborate. And there's a lot of mm-hmm. reasons for that. Some people might think it's so that uh, you're proving you know, your sincerity. But I've always felt like a lot of the sort of things that you have to jump through in these spells is more about – there's no way anybody can do all these things. Therefore, I'll never right. have to prove that it really works or whatever. So just
0: prove it. Yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs>
2: and also, I would point yeah. out that, that people have a misconception about a lot of this magical stuff, and they think that it's satanic. Especially Crowley, wanting to be the wickedest man in the world and using the number six 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 and calling himself the Beast. Mm-hmm. All these things make you think mm-hmm. it's uh, deeply satanic. Uh, But if you go actually read it's more like willpower and and, uh, personal goals. It's more about being selfish, honestly, uh, which I think is why it it appeals to a lot of uh, independently minded people, libertarians, social outcasts or uh, uh, Mm -hmm. iconoclasts, you know,
4: that kind of person. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. This is Face Off, an eight part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous US China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a US admiral, even Yo Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face Off launches Some people enjoy the waves or whatever, uh, crashing. And I enjoy listening to a quantum physics
1: audio book. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our yeah. whole show. <laughs> so join us every Wednesday on all major
2: podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon.
0: Okay, so with all of that information in mind why did Crowley choose belesken manor
2: great question the whole um the book of the sacred magic of abramel and the mage has some very specific uh requirements for the place that you're going to try to conduct this ceremony so you've you've got to be in a place that has a door that opens north uh he commands that you cover the floor with two inches of fine river sand you're not supposed to uh con- you're supposed to not there's a fasting there's a sobriety requirement um there's a uh, yeah
3: n- n-
0: no, i don't know if he could have managed that
2: it, there's a lot of questions about whether he could have done all these things but you have to yeah. build well, a, can I can ask a qu- yeah.
3: question here you said two inches um what i read was two fingers is that pretty much going to be two inches because it depends I, on
2: how big your fingers are, but that's yeah. <laughs> what I'm
3: thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Whether you're a man or
0: a woman, yeah,
3: yeah. Because yeah, I mean, that's uh, two fingers makes it even uh, worse. Yeah. you know, but potentially double that amount of sand. It's a lot of sand.
2: I get. I guess so. Th- there's a story about this whole thing that has gotten wildly more elaborate over since it actually took place. If it took place, that's a different question. Right, uh, yeah. but. We have a book called *The Confessions of Aleister Crowley*, which he wrote in 1929. So this would have been 30 years after his time uh, allegedly trying to go through this ritual. And so, in the mm-hmm. short version of this, he picks Bleskin because it ticks off a number of things in the requirements. And okay. he goes up to the. He's looking around for a place, and I don't know why Scotland in particular, but he's, he's looking around. He sees Bleskin House. He goes to the owner and says, "I'd like to buy a bony the house. place." Yeah. <laughs> And uh, she says no. And he says in this book, he says, Look, I've got 40,000 pounds, which is an insane amount of money back then. Right. And so he Mm. offers Mm -hmm. her twice the value of the home. So, and she says, Okay. She's like, It's not for sale. He goes, How about for 2,000 pounds? She goes, It's for sale and it's yours. (laughs) 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 Right. So he Mm. buys it and then, you know, sets up. But famously, he doesn't finish the ritual. And so, One of the sort of legends that I've been really looking into is, wait a minute, you know, if you listen to a modern version of the story, it goes like this. He doesn't finish the ritual. He's working on it. He gets as far as summoning, like, the 12 dukes of hell, and then he gets a letter from Mathers that he needs help because someone's trying to take over the Golden Dawn, and he basically abandons (laughs) the ritual— And heads down to go help Mathers. And then according to the folklore, uh, he fails to banish that which he had summoned. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it left a pall over the place. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there's stories that while he was conducting the ritual, you know, he couldn't get enough light into the, you know, uh, the space because there was like a darkness, a literal spiritual darkness that was affecting the light in the space. Lots of stories like that. But Mm. the question I had was, Really, that doesn't. This is a because th- what he's describing this whole twelve dukes of hell thing that's like absolutely mm-hmm. part of the lore now mm-hmm. is not in the it's not in the the text. There's nothing in the Abramel. and not only that, but it's like it's quite literally not what it says to do. What the actual mm-hmm. ritual is, you start by getting your guardian angel, which according to Crowley lore, he never got here. He gets later when he's in Egypt with his in wife Egypt, Rose. Yeah, right. Yeah. So. You're not supposed to do any summoning until you've already got your guardian angel to protect you. And when you do the summoning, you're supposed to be summoning good spirits. And there's nothing in the text about Dukes. Another quick insert here. Technically, the Abramelon ritual does have the names in it that match the Dukes of Hell concept, but it never calls them that. And that terminology comes from other grimoires like the various Goetias, the Lesser Key of Solomon, and various texts giving the alleged hierarchy of demons. So the folklore around Crowley's dark experiences, Beleskin, are pulling from texts that were not part of the ceremony he was attempting. So it, it's not in Crowley's text. And so
0: Well, Matt, you've taken a look at the book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My condolences. What what are your thoughts? <laughs>
3: It sucks. Oh, uh, it's, it's not a good book. It's not a good book. It's not a good book. But yeah, I you know, the thing is that y- you get a lot of, uh, there's so much ambiguity. Because even about what was needed, you know, there's different sections in the book that will say, well, you know, if you are of means, a man of means, then we need it to be exactly like this. But if you're not, you know, do it in, do it in your apartment closet, you know, it's... Mm-hmm. Really, there's a there's a lot of flexibility, but then if you have the money to pony up, there's no flexibility. So it's kind of strange on, mm-hmm. on how it's kind of laid out. Um, and then at the same time, you've got a lot of confusion over whether these spirits are good or bad because it's seeming like your guardian angel, you get in contact with him, and whatever demons you have bound... Um, they are now slaves of your guardian angel. Um, mm. And you you just, you, you know, the, your guardian angel doesn't want dirty hands. So whatever you want or need, he sends out these demons to go do it, and they are not happy about that arrangement. Now, of course, this is just one interpretation. Uh, to me, what they needed to have is someone who writes, like, technical manuals, to write
0: this, (laughs) and not someone who
3: writes poetry, Uh, because you even have at the beginning of this is talking about the language, the language, it needs to be your language, it not don't don't be trying to pronounce foreign words and all this kind of stuff, it needs to be your language, because those are the words that you understand the best. And if you're going to be speaking to your guardian angel, who is then basically speaking to God, you don't want to offend him by basically babbling stuff that you don't understand in the first place. So you need to speak it in, a, in your language very clearly. Uh, well, none think- of that is anywhere. It's all written in these and thousand and, you know, at a time when that mm. really wasn't the language of the time.
0: To make it sound posh. well, and it yeah, Sounds what- posh. Uh,
3: they're appealing to antiquity.
0: Yes, yeah. for sure. I can see that. And the thing that's always confused me is that if Mathers translated uh, this book and so he he wrote the book on this ritual, and then he knows that Crowley is in the midst of this. Sure, it shouldn't matter what he's going through, no matter how severe it is. Why would he call upon Crowley to to interrupt this if it was this dire and this dangerous?
3: Oh, that's a good and question. If, yeah.
0: And why would Crowley do it?
3: Well, well, yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is is Crowley's do, or Crowley? I'll I'll say Crowley just to so get balance. We've got him doing this intensive thing that's taking all his attention. But hang on, I got go to go, you know, get down into town to pick up my mail. The whole Mathers thing drives me nuts because of the fact that, you know, here he is in the Golden Dawn, and and Curly is constantly getting in trouble with the Golden Dawn, and he's a guy having trouble with Mathers, and 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 he's trying to do this ritual, and the whole time it's written by Mathers. You know, that's mm-hmm. it's it's basically written by him. And it, it drives me kind of crazy that he's got this kind of rivalry and this kind of push-pull thing with him, and yet at the same time, he's going to go do a thing written by him. Uh, that seems weird. And then, like, you know, people have witnessed uh, Mathers mm-hmm. playing chess with, like, other entities where he would, like mm-hmm. – he would sit on one side of the, the board and and move, and then he would, like, cover his eyes and then wait – and then, like, nod, and then reach over and move the other piece on the other side. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, the, the guy, I don't know. I mean, if you, if you want to see another guy who always has pictures where he looks like a goofball, uh, you know, Slim Shady's the guy, uh, definitely check him mm-hmm. out. But then in, in Crowley's uh, Confessions, he wrote, As far as I was concerned, Mathers was my only link with the secret chiefs to whom I was pledged. I wrote to him offering my, to uh place myself and my fortune unreservedly unreservedly at his disposal, and if that meant giving up the Abra Mellon operation for the present, all right so hmm. there he is completely dedicated, and he's going to give you know uh Mather's all you know his his fortune and everything because he's the only link between Crowley and these entities that he's summoning. so
0: They're in favor of the entities.
3: Well, yeah, yeah. But it's weird because, I mean, you know, previous to that, Mathers was booted out of an organization because he had borrowed a bunch of money and never paid it back. So I would think he would love to have Crowley around. And I want to step back a second to this whole you got to be pure thing. Because we are starting off with a man who is about as far from pure as you can get. And it does kind of state up, state up front that, you know, you should be a, a good human being to begin with, not just for six months. Yes, you got to go through a purification time, but you don't walk into this, you know, with intentions of becoming, a, you know, a all-powerful. Uh, for the mm-hmm. sake of your own you know selfishness and and Ooh. uh you know do ill to your neighbor as he says he wouldn't um yeah. and just think, oh so we should... well all I gotta do is just kind of you know hose off for a few months and I'm good no Crowley yeah. w- was the beast he was the wickedest man on earth as he liked to say,
0: I should probably make mention too that just one of the his background uh was that he grew up in a family that were um Christian Plymouth brethren. So they were part of a fundamentalist uh, Christian group. And so it seems like he really rejected that from an early age and him becoming the beast, becoming the wickedest man in the world was really uh, a response to growing up in this austere Christian uh, sect.
3: Now, Blake, from you reading what you read, how... Organized religion? Did it come off to you?
0: Well,
2: it's interesting because, like the again, the the book itself, the the instructions are are very wholesome in a lot of ways. I don't know what I expected. <laughs> I I, I, right. I it, it does seem like a pretty uh, tempting uh, ritual, like. It really does because the things that – the book's broken into three parts. And the third part's about all the Mm. awesome crap you can do if you succeed with part two, (laughs) right? And it's like Mm -hmm. that's got to be alluring. But again, remember, he had 40,000 pounds if if those numbers are real. And that's from his – you know he had a lot of wealth because his family were wealthy brewers. But they were also – Yeah, even though they're religious. Right, exactly. (laughs) But the Plymouth Brethren were uptight people. And so he was pushing back against that. But 40,000 pounds Mm. in 1900 – would Have been like six million dollars today, uh, you know, so
0: wow, uh,
2: so that like for wow. him to drop two thousand pounds on the place is like spending four hundred thousand dollars on a you know rural uh, ranch style house,
0: <laughs> so, it would have right. been even more remote in those days, yeah, uh, exactly. you, know, you certainly yeah. get a lot of uh tourists going out there yeah. to check it out, yeah. but, in those but if, days, you, yeah, if been...
3: you felt very strongly that that rural house had a vein of gold running underneath it um you might pony up you might i mean he was he said he
2: was very intent remember crowley's whole thing was about using your will to achieve your goals yes Uh, uh, that was i mean i i think it's funny because i don't want this whole thing to be about crowley but i will say that that there there is this whole idea of this legendary that sort of built up around this thing and it and and a lot of it i i really kind of you know my my sort of uh obsession is where do these stories come from? And when I was trying to run that down, I mean Crowley starts bragging about the sort of uh nature of the thing right on in mm. in that book we just referenced. But then there's a long gap where the folklore is being built up within the the people who survived Crowley, the the Thelema followers and other I, mm. and his enemies also telling stories. Uh you know, people who didn't like him were also telling stories. And had
0: plenty of those people
2: and and so the story's become much more complicated and you know it's got this 12 dukes of hell thing and people have really tried to argue that maybe even the loch ness monster you know came from this ritual because he didn't shut things down i don't think there's an argument there i think it's just it is that's That's
0: (laughs) my favorite origin story though well Well, yeah that's
2: the best so we can sort of trace some of this back to a bbc documentary that came out in 2000 called the other Loch Ness monster, and I can put a yes. link to that in the show notes. Oh, I love that! Yeah, it's we great. watched that as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a it's short, but it's it's got a lot of really famous people in it. That if you care about this mm-hmm. topic, you'll be surprised or you know pleased to see, uh, Colin mm-hmm. Wilson, uh, Kenneth Grant, K- Kenneth Anger, Anger, uh, yep. Anger yeah, Anger, yeah, the director. So, yeah, there's lots of people, it, it, but I just. There's nothing about this before 2000. You you can't find this story of the 12 Dukes of Hell and all this b- before 2000. And if you start looking at books after that, especially after 2010, uh, you'll find mm. it in all of those stories. They'll, it'll be plugged in there. You'll find Dukes of Hell, et cetera. And so what seems to have happened is this uh, this story, this legend has gotten out of the paper world and into the podcast world where it's being mm-hmm. uh, endlessly echo chambered across YouTube, TikTok, uh, you know, podcasts that, yeah. you know, this mm-hmm. whole thing. It's absolutely inconsistent with what he was trying to accomplish. It's inconsistent with what he wrote. Uh, but it is now.
3: I, the lore. It's canon. I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, you know,
3: we have the other problem, too, is that there were. Supposedly, and I, I, I've had a hard time finding true evidence of this other than more echo chamber, uh, is that there were other manuscripts, uh, you know, several in German and of course you had the one in French. Uh, there was one in a, a, a form of Latin. Um, mm-hmm. and the one that, uh, was it a, a Samuel Mathers translated only had three books and there were four yeah, there's been a correction. Uh, the German edition was translated, and they sort of uh,
2: that's gotten released. I think that was after 2000. I don't have a handy, but it was it, the. I'm air quoting the corrected manuscript is out there now. If you want to
3: try it, but uh, you and know. I <laughs> did, I I did I did go looking for it, and I thought I found it, and I started reading it, and it was identical to the Mather's version. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, okay, why was I led down this, this little trail? Uh, and that's the thing is you are led in all kinds of different trails because you don't know who, what source to trust. So mm-hmm. were there actually, I mean, are these actually in museums? Cause I couldn't find really good images of them. Cause usually if something's in a museum, you get an image someone's taking yep. a picture, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wasn't really finding much in the way of images. I found one image, and I, I, I couldn't tell if that's what this was, if it was the book of Abramelin. Um, But even, you know, again, going back to that whole language thing, pronunciation was not going to be an Im- important part because he's like, in one part, I'm going to call it Abramelin. In another part, I'm going to call it Abramelin. In another part, I'm going to call it Abramelin. Um, okay so you don't need to be specific about a damn thing going into this well, but but Blake I'm really curious since you know we are short on time what what are some of the things that really felt like you know you really cracked it open for you
2: uh well again for me the excitement came with uh, realizing that that what was happening in these podcasts and other things didn't seem to exist in the source material and actually contradicted mm-hmm. it so Uh, And and then trying Uh, to run it. I I loved running back through, you know, going through the book searches and other things, trying to sort of figure out where it sort of got introduced. And it really all seems to come back down to that documentary. Uh, And I think – and which makes sense because the documentary was out there. People were excited about it, you know, if you're into this stuff. There's a few that came out around that Mm -hmm. same time in 2000, 2001 that were really sort of highlighting some of these uh, Western esotericism in Europe – uh, activities,
0: yeah, a bit of a resurgence yeah. yeah
2: and so when podcasting shows up you know just a few years later obviously true crime's the the sort of uh, uh killer app for, <laughs> for podcasting <laughs> but right behind it is the uh, paranormal and weird stuff so uh i think hmm. it, it sort of fed into that and you know these stories the ones that have legs walk right and this one's walking all over the mm-hmm. place so um yeah I would say that one other thing is is kind of I don't remember if we covered this when we did the uh, the these the special Crowley episode but he's famous uh, amongst sort of anti satanic anti magic uh, Christianity f- because of the sort of motto of his religion which is do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law and mm-hmm. That's I thought I'd was the
0: only thing you ever hear from him It book. is
2: and and I thought it I thought it was like, well, how wicked, you know. And and then I thought I was well, I'm so enlightened because I know that what he really meant was let your willpower be the thing that guides you. And I was like, that's so smart, right? Uh and mm-hmm. like, look, I'm not just reactionary. But then I realized that quote comes from Gargantua and Pentagruel, which is a French novel. It's like a series of series of novels, but they are, and they're really more like poems, but uh, it's very famous uh, for in, in, in European literature, and it, it's a comedy. The, the book is a comedy about two giants, uh, Gargantua the Giant, where we get the word gargantuan, and Pantagruel, his son, and they create this temple of Thelema. <laughs> Which is, <laughs> it's got this motto, and the, a big chunk of the book is about how they're different and they're they're libertine, they're free. They they you know unlike normal monks, the people in the temple of Thelema can marry, and you know their main thing is
3: follow your will. You know it's it's really so,
0: so you're there was saying a big rip off here. There was a huge
3: <laughs> oh oh I was going to say they lifted it from Crowley, but uh, anyway, either however way it went, there was a huge theft here.
2: Well, it's a big theft, and I, I what I can't know is the you know gargantua pedigree are comedy and
3: satire. But when he so lived, have you ever seen a picture of Crowley? Of Crowley? Is, is he mocking? Well, the, yeah, have you ever seen a picture of Crowley? I've he's, seen hundreds of pictures of Crowley. Yeah, and and every one of them, he looks like a goofball.
2: Well, I, I love the ones yeah. when he's younger, but yeah, I, I guess my point is, yeah. I don't know if he's being silly or if he's embracing it because of its very irreverence. So if he's seriously. <laughs> like trying to say, okay, that was funny, but look at this. It's awesome and true. Or is he saying, Mm -hmm. I am also whimsically, you know, using this as my motto and anyone who knows that story will know that I'm not completely serious. I don't know.
0: I'd never heard about that. So I thought it was something clever that he'd come up with. Uh, And, but I, I mean, he has been accused of plagiarism and he's accused other people of plagiarism too. I guess just in, just in closing for, for this part, of the show part one, I've just got two points that I want to make. And one is the author Somerset Maugham. He wrote a story called The Magician and he had a character in that story uh, called Oliver Haddo, if my pronunciation is correct. And that was a caricature of Crowley. And uh, Crowley found out about this and was really upset and wrote a critique of this book under the pen name of Oliver Haddo. And he accused Maugham of plagiarism. So there's another instance where he was accusing other people okay and the last thing that i wanted to uh, tell the listeners well maybe a few of them have heard of this i told matt about this uh recently and he thought it was very interesting but there's a persistent theory or rumor that crowley is the father of barbara bush (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if you've ever
2: i actually have heard that rumor but you know political rumors in the united states are crazy uh, I, I don't I want to get into it for this but, one. Yeah, so some of them you you know, are very, yeah,
3: very awful. This, this leads right true. into the whole Illuminati thing, though, when you think about it, and George Bush eating babies. Uh, it, this just fits right in. <laughs> yeah. When you think about
2: it. On
4: that yeah.
3: note. <laughs> Monster
2: Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith.
0: And I'm Karen Stoltzner.
2: You just heard part one of our two-part look at the history of Boleskine House on the shores of Loch Ness in Scotland. We'll pick up part two next week, but I'm going to go ahead and drop in a content warning right now. Some bad stuff really did happen at the house. Some of it's quite graphic and unpleasant. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. Each episode, we strive to bring you the very best in monster-related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk... We now have a variety of ways to support the show, all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support. We have links there to our Patreon page as well as a donation button. Another great way to support the show is to buy books from our Amazon Monster Talk wish list, which directly helps us with our research. We love used books very much, so don't feel compelled to buy new ones. And we love Kindles, so we can share our digital libraries with each other. And finally, without spending any money at all, you can support us by leaving a positive review at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please share our show on your favorite social media platforms. Monster Talk's theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys. This week's episode title comes from Karen. I was going to call it, in the sort of throwback to 18th century novel titles, The Secret of Boleskine House or Alistair Crowley Unlocked. We hope you come back next week for part two, and we thank you for listening.
0: in a Monster House presentation.